that talk is about to begin Hey, 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 come on in Welcome back to Buckeye Talk, the finally It's Bama edition. Doug Marie, Stephen Means, Nathan Baird. And as you guys know by now, Ohio State and Bama have scheduled a home-and-home series for 2027 and 2028. And given that while I was gone, Nathan and Stephen had a discussion about who Ohio State should schedule next in their non-conference schedule. Um, And none of them said Alabama. I would just like to say face. You guys are (laughs) face, baby. And I will say, though, I will say very, very, very few of our tech subscribers also said Alabama. Face to you, tech subscribers. Face. Boom. Because this is what all of us always should have wanted. It is what I have wanted. And if I want something, you should want it. So we're going to get – we have a couple of tech subscriber questions on this. Michael Casagrande, who covers Alabama for AL.com, I talked to him. That interview will drop in here. He has insight on why this, why Alabama has changed its scheduling philosophy here. Um, will Nick Saban be the head coach in 2027 and 2028? What Alabama think, fans think about this? Um, and then we talked a little bit, since we've talked about angry Bama on this podcast, we did talk a little bit about how good Alabama might be um, this year. So that is coming up the Alabama side of these things. But for the three of us, Stephen, what, what, how surprised were you when this news came out? Al- Ohio State and Alabama are going to do this. Very surprised. I didn't, part of the reason why when we had that discussion on the podcast, I didn't, I didn't think it was realistic to do a home and home. I didn't think Alabama was coming up north. And that's a reasonable, um, thing that, thing to think. I thought at best, if they're on the schedule, it's a neutral site game, probably in Jerry's world. Let's just be honest here. So, but that's not well, but that's not what they've been doing. They had changed. They had scheduled Virginia Tech and West Virginia and Notre Dame. So they that's why I have been so ramped up about this. They had changed their that attitude, right? So if you were surprised, did you think, well, yeah, I mean Notre Dame was the one for me that changed it. But if you thought well, they're not coming up north, did you well, just kind of think Virginia- are, are not on the same level as Ohio State. Yes, that's part of it. And that it's Notre not – that's the line. They'll do these other teams, but they'll never do Ohio State. Yeah, they're not going to do the, the guys in the tiers that we're thinking of. And even Notre Dame, I mean, they're a very roller coaster for when they're good and when they're not right now. So we're talk, consistent teams, no. I, I thought that would be no different than them scheduling, you know, Clemson in, in a home-and-home. Home. No, I didn't think that was going to happen because they're going to play each other in the playoff at some point anyway. Nathan, what was your reaction? Were you shocked or no? I think uh, surprised. I don't know if I was shocked. Um, definitely surprised by the timing because I was in the middle of uh, driving all over greater Columbus to various CVSs to find out which one um, a photo I had to pick up was at. And this happened, I think, pretty much right as I walked back in the door from that. Um, but other than that, I, I agree with Stephen, and, and we, we talked about this on the podcast at the time, that it, was, it wasn't that we didn't think Alabama-Ohio State would be a, a fantastic game. I think obviously that was true. I just had some, some question about whether both of these programs, I feel, was in their best interest in the current setup to have that game during the regular season. And uh, I'm relieved um, and, and excited just for, from a, as, as someone who follows college football that these programs decided that they want to play that game because it's an amazing game, and I think it's gonna, it, it heightens the sport when, when teams like this can play during the regular season. Yeah, you guys were you guys were wrong on that. I think you were misreading it. That that I am surprised, kind of, but 
it was moving toward this. But you could see that both programs were moving this direction. The fact that Ohio State had scheduled Georgia, had scheduled an SEC team, I think was relevant. And the fact that, that Bama was not against coming north. They were not out of hand. And they, we all know they had canceled a Michigan State series several years ago. That they, they were both cracking the door on this. And this was like, this was the final step. And if you had some reservation about, yeah, but the, neither of them will go this far. Because honestly, I mean, Stephen, to your point, it's like, okay, well, Notre Dame, but who's Notre Dame? I mean, Notre Dame is like the – it's either the second, third, or fourth best program in the North, right? I mean, it's behind Ohio yeah. State, but it's on the Michigan-Penn State level. It's, the, it's in the level below Ohio State. So it's like, okay, Notre Dame's not on Ohio State's level, but they're as close as any team in the northern half of the country can get. I I, I – Thought it always made sense, but I just didn't know if they'd go this far. But when I talked to Diana Sabau, the Ohio State Athletic Director, the Assistant Athletic Director, Deputy Athletic Director, who got this done, her main point is just like, it's fun. It's good for college football. And I know, you know, it's not quite that simple, right? But I do think Ohio State has shown that they'll play games like this. They just hadn't done it against the SEC. But they cracked the door on the SEC. And that's the thing. You guys were skeptical, but they have played USC and Oklahoma and Texas and Notre Dame and Miami. They've played everybody else. So it never to me was about they won't play a team this good, right? They've proven they'll play a team this good. They just hadn't played a team this good from the SEC. But this is what Ohio State ha- does. This is what they've done almost always. Like, do you guys agree with that? That like this is how they do this? No, I do agree with the the you know. Yes, they've played great programs in the past, but to the point you just made, there's great programs and then there's great SEC programs, and we haven't seen that until recently with Georgia and now Alabama with this you know whopping news that just came out. So I'm shocked. I- I'm going to say I'm shocked. I was wrong. To, to assume it, it wouldn't happen, I'll, I'll happily ag- agree that I was completely wrong in uh, thinking that it wouldn't happen. But that doesn't mean it's still not, you know, a bit shocking that it's gotten to this point to where it seems like both sides are willing to say, we'll play anybody with a home-and-home home series. So, so what Diana said that this is not – I asked her about the playoff, how the playoff factors into this. And as we know, the college football playoff is – six years into a 12-year television agreement. So they're halfway through. It ends out in tw- it runs out in 2025. This series is scheduled for in Columbus in 2027, in Tuscaloosa in 2028. She said you cannot be held hostage, cannot be held hostage by what a playoff system may or may not be as you schedule games seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years out. Nathan, as you think about how the playoff factors into this. She's basically saying we didn't think about it because we don't know. We don't know what the playoff is going to be in 27 and 2028. We just wanted to have a fun series. How do you think the playoff may or may not have factored into this as you imagine a playoff series that is beyond what the current television contract is, which means there certainly is an opportunity for the playoff system to be greater than four teams by the time this series happens. I mean, I think you're going to start to see more of these if that 
comes to fruition. And I think if you're in a, if you're Gene Smith, if you're the Alabama AD, you are savvy enough, you were involved enough in the process to be able to kind of see into the future a little bit, I think. And it's not just guessing. I think they, they see the wheels turning even more closely than we do. I think we all sort of expect there to be an 18 playoff. I would expect it by the time this game happens, right? Yeah, no, I think I, I think that's probably right. agree with that. So yeah. I, it just it, the freedom is there under that structure. I think to to make it easier for ads to schedule these sort of games without worrying about repercussions from their fan base or or whatever if they think that's a problem that they they scheduled too tough of a season or whatever. But I also think I, I am relieved a little bit to hear, and if we take her at her word that that Diana's saying um, that they're not even considering that in 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 scheduling this game, that they're saying our fans want games like this. We want to play games like this. Who cares about the playoff? You can't necessarily assume. We don't know what Ohio State's roster is going to look like in 2027. We don't know what Alabama's roster is going to look like in 2027. So why not just schedule a, an amazing game and let the chips fall where they may? I, I really, I, I think I understand why maybe there are programs that don't do that. But if that's what they're really saying and they, and they, and it's true, I, I'm relieved to hear that. What do you guys think about the ideas of butts in seats as we have this kind of constant discussion in college football of it's so much easier to stay home. The experience of watching a game on TV is so good. The tickets are so expensive. I mean, I don't know. By the time this game is played, I mean, it's quite possible that the face value on on the face value on a game like this will be $300 for the for the Alabama game in Ohio Stadium. Now that Ohio Well, you Stadium, can probably I was going to say, you could probably even actually upcharge for a game like this too, right? No, they do. So they, have, the, they have tiered pricing. They have tiered right. pricing that but they have. You could even excuse another tier above that probably for this. I mean, for a game like this, when you're, especially when you're adding in that you have to give them the million dollars. So maybe that's another thing that's getting factored in here. In a 100,000-seat stadium, you charge an extra 20 bucks. That covers your guarantee and another million well, bucks in your pocket. I mean, the point is that they tier it every year now regardless, and it's not right. set tiers. I mean, the, the, the highest price ticket, the, the, the cost of that game. But if you're saying that, oh, you know, the, the Michigan game was the highest price one the year before, and it's 275 and now we're going to make the Bama one 310 this year or something. Yeah, I mean, I think that's possible. I don't want to just throw around numbers. I guess I should look this up, what the prices are on the highest price games right now. But, but – that idea, do you think this is good for college football if the not and it's not desperation, but a I mean ticket sales, Nathan, as you've covered as we think about this in a reduced capacity world for the stadiums for 2020, ticket sales matter a lot in college football revenue. And if you keep giving people bowling green, and even if you give people Washington, but that's not Bama, right? In a tiered ticket structure, you can charge more. You can make more money. I like that as an outcome. Stephen, when you think about this, does you got to put butts in the seats to support your athletic program. I guess one of the better ways to put butts in seats is by schedule awesome opponents, right? Yeah. Every year can't be the MAC as your non-conference schedule and, you know, games where basically by halftime you're trying to get home so you can beat the traffic. At some point, you, know, you got to have games like this at actual stadiums, not at neutral sites where fans have to travel, have to you know pay for traveling for hotels and game tickets and places to eat. It has to be at somebody's actual stadium where the only thing that fans are usually worried about now is, okay, where am I going to park and how much is the ticket? 
So, but again, but the other point of it, this is what Ohio State does. This is why you guys were off on your discussion. Nathan, Stanford and Texas A&M is not what Ohio State does. They do Oklahoma and Texas. This is like the peak of this. But when they have done Texas and USC and Oklahoma in recent years, I mean, all the things, Stephen, that you just said are true, except those were also true 15 years ago. Right, but Alabama's so, not Texas and USC and Oklahoma. I mean, but but I mean because nobody is Texas and USC. It, and Oklahoma. It, it, I mean, Bama right. is above well, everybody. Alabama. The, the, point, the, but the point is that you you're right. Ohio State has done this in the past. Nobody's yeah. Alabama, but they have scheduled everybody up. I mean, so Alabama's on a tier by itself, and then Texas, Oklahoma, USC, and Notre Dame are in the tier right below Alabama. But I, even. Even for a football program that schedules extreme schools, this is the extreme of that. This is the great white whale, and they finally yeah. shot a harpoon right into its side. Great. Yeah. I mean, great. But, but, but this was the only one that was left, right? This was the only one that was left. And they haven't, you know, they, well, and Clemson's only been Clemson yeah, for Clemson, a little bit. So maybe yeah. they'll get there. But also, the thing about this is, and, and I don't want to go down this road because this isn't changing. Some people, and I get it. And I've made these jokes in the past too. It's like, oh, great, 2027 and 2028. You know, so the current sixth graders are going to be on the team. Only seven years away is actually not that far. Not I mean, Ohio State schedules games no. sometimes that are 11, 12, 13, 15 years away. Well, they'd already seven? announced the Georgia series, which is farther into the future than Alabama now. Right. So, I mean, like seven is not that far. And the idea of, again, this came up a lot. The Virginia Tech series that wound up tripping up Ohio State in 2014, they scheduled Virginia Tech like when Michael Vick was there. Like when they scheduled that Virginia Tech series, Virginia Tech was like one of the five best teams in college football. Now, they weren't that by the time the 14-15 series came around. It was still good, but it wasn't stupendous. You can't guarantee anything, and we know that Alabama had a dip before Nick Saban, but man, like Alabama's going to be good in 27, 28, right? I mean, even if Saban's not the coach, and we'll discuss that, but Nathan, Alabama's going to be good by the, and Ohio State's going to be good. Is that, that's not in doubt, is it, by the time this series is played? No, no. I mean, you, you should assume that both of these programs, I mean, even in a down year, quote unquote down year, well, I don't think it's quote unquote. It was a down year in, in many respects for Alabama last year, but for much of the season, they were either in the final, in the four teams, or right outside the top four teams to get into the playoff, right? I mean, they were a playoff caliber team that just didn't have the season to get into the playoffs. So I would expect that to be kind of the norm for these programs going forward. There's no reason not to expect that. I think that we're going to, if for, for the sake of the argument, if Nick Saban isn't the coach by then, it's going to be interesting to see if he's putting things in place that Urban Meyer has at Ohio State, so Ohio State to sustain that. Because you're right, before Nick Saban got here, you know, there was a big dip for Alabama between his last great head coach and when he got there. So I know I don't think they're going to dip back into that stratosphere, but maybe if Nick Saban isn't the coach and some things have kind of, you know, simmered down a little bit, they're not, you know, the one of the three best programs in the country, but they're still in that second tier. So this is still a quality football game. Uh, to recap for people who don't have the Ohio State future schedules uh, in their wallet or purse, Oregon in 20 and 21, Notre Dame in 22 and 23, Washington in 24 and 25. And then there's a little bit of an interesting overlap that they start the Texas series 
while they're playing Washington. So 2025, they're playing on the schedule. They have both Texas and Washington on that schedule, which is quite a thing. So it's Washington 24 and 25. Then they start Texas 25 and 26, Bama 27 and 28, Georgia 30 and 31. So there's a hole there in 2029, which again, I know is ridiculous to talk about, but you can either probably fill that with like a, a, a neutral site game if they're still doing those, or you can just have a schedule where it's like, well, you know, maybe we do it in 29 and 32 or something like that. It's not back to back. So this fits though, right? I mean, that is among the, that's the best of the best. So Oregon, you know, I mean, in Oregon's a top five pro, a top five team right now, but historic programs that still are playing at a high level to have Notre Dame, Washington, not quite there, but Notre Dame, Texas, Alabama, Georgia, I mean, is, is basically as good as you can get. So let's do Michael Casagrande from AL.com. And then Stephen, Nathan, and I will come back and continue a little bit more of a discussion. This Ohio State Alabama series scheduled for 27 and 28. Thanks to you guys for listening to Buckeye Talk. Joined on Buckeye Talk by a man I once went to a Chicago Cubs game with, Michael Casagrande from AL.com. Michael, I never thought this would happen. I have been writing about it for many a moon that I thought it should happen. The idea that Ohio State and Alabama are going to play in the regular season, does it surprise you at all, or does it seem like a normal thing that that should be scheduled? Yeah, like you, I probably would have been very surprised three, four years ago if Alabama were to do this. They've been scheduling all of their premier non-conference games. They've been these Atlanta, uh, Dallas, Texas. They've been playing all these neutral site games to start the season, Labor Day weekend, and uh, it's just been the, the pattern since 2008, I believe. Uh, but when Greg Byrne, the new athletic director, came in a couple of years ago, he started doing these home-and-homes. Uh, this is now the 11th that Alabama has scheduled uh, through 2035. They've already scheduled things out for the next 15 years. Uh, so at this point, it's not as surprising because they've been doing this a little bit more. Um, and Ohio State always seemed like a team that made a lot of sense to try to do a home-and-home home with to, to create that regional interest, uh, the SEC, Big Big Ten, it's, it's got all the flavor to it. So at this point, I'm not surprised before. Previously, I would have been, yep. So I've written in the past in, in a, a headline I called Nick Saban a diabolical scheduling genius. That It seemed like to me that Alabama had um, become experts of the neutral site games where they were playing these early season games against – Good, very good programs, but they never seemed to catch those programs when they were at their peak because they weren't scheduling them out 10 years ahead. So it felt like maybe they had a little bit of a more of a grasp on what they were going to get on the field and they would look really good, um, get a bump in the polls early, but they never had to go into somebody else's stadium. And it just felt to be like, man, they are they have this figured out. You mentioned the new AD, Greg Byrne. Is that all that changed, that the AD decided, no, we're going to do this other thing, or, or did something change with Saban also? What changed that, as you laid out, Alabama has completely flipped its scheduling strategy? I mean, at least part of it has been explained that it's about the, the value of a season ticket, that they're, they've expanded they, – I haven't expanded. They've renovated the stadium. They've added a lot of premium seating. Uh, they're losing some season ticket holders because they don't think it's worth the value at, at a certain point where they, if the, if the best non-conference game is played someplace else, it's not part of their season ticket package. They, they have three non-conference games against uh, non-power conference teams, one F FCS team. So it's not the same value uh, not every year. And, and if some of the SEC teams are down, you get maybe one or two premium games a year and, 
for what the prices they're charging for, for luxury suites, for club suites, for all these different things. And just for the average fan, that it's, it's getting pretty pricey just to go to any kind of game if it's all – you know, lower level teams and the interest is starting to drop and, and attendance isn't what it used to be. You know, they didn't sell out every game. They don't sell out every game anymore. So it's, they're trying to, I guess, ramp up some more interest in, in coming to games and, and making it more valuable uh, for them to come and buy a season ticket package. Do you think in terms of Alabama continuing to compete for national titles is are scheduling games like this. And again, as you've said, they've scheduled them out for 15 years, um, Texas and Notre Dame and West Virginia and Virginia tech and Ohio state. Is this, these home and homes, is it a positive? Does it, is it, does it help Alabama's resume when they're going to be trying to get into playoffs? Is it somehow a negative that they now risk losing some of these games, maybe on the road, or is it a neutral effect that, you know what, Bama's Bama. And no matter what the schedule is, they have good players, they're going to have a good coach, and they're going to be fine. How do you think it, it affects the playoff for them? Yeah, I think it's it's interesting because a lot of these games, I mean, there's there's the talk of the when the, the current playoff contract runs out and the possibility of an expanded playoff to having eight teams that you'd have a little bit more runway to lose a game or maybe even two games uh, and still make the playoffs. So. Um, I think that's probably a calculated risk into all this, but um, yeah, I mean, it's, there's a, there's a lot of number, number of factors, but I think, uh, yeah, the playoff is, is definitely something that they're looking to the future and seeing that, that things might change. And if you have a better, you know, they, they had a, a pretty lousy uh, season opener last year against Duke. Uh, and when they were getting down into the, the discussion, if they were to beat Auburn as a one loss team, would they have the resume to make it in without, really much of a non-conference schedule. So, um, you know, it was, it was on the, you know, precipice either way and losing to Auburn kind of answered that question pretty easily. So, uh, you know, the quality teams having a, a better, a better resume, uh, it can't hurt. I'm super fired up about this. I think mm-hmm. Ohio state fans are excited about it. What do I, do you have any sense of what do Alabama fans think about this? Because it's weird to me for Ohio state fans, Ohio State is the big dog for every team in the Big Ten. It's like when Ohio State comes to a Big Ten stadium, they are the biggest game on the schedule. Ohio State is the team that people get excited for. But Alabama maybe is the only team in the country that sort of has a greater aura right now than Ohio State. Clemson's really good, but in terms of like aura and all that stuff, that Ohio State, when you think about this home-and-home series – Ohio State to me feels like it's it, it is looking up a little bit at Alabama. That like yes, we're scheduling Bama. What do Bama fans think of playing Ohio State? Do they view it? Do you think that much different than playing West Virginia or Virginia Tech or schools like that? Yeah, I'm sure they do. Definitely. I mean, it's 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 Ohio State's one of those those consistent winners that's been right up there. That's been an Alabama-like program for the last you know decade or so, even longer than that. Um, the fact that, that that Ohio State beat Alabama in the last time they played in a in a playoff game, I'm sure, kind of draws some. I mean, I give more respect for them for for that game, the way they played and the way they you know performed that whole week. Uh, I, I had a lot of respect for Ohio State coming out of that, so I'm sure, uh, you know, maybe fans might not feel the same respect uh, for for you know getting beat in a playoff when they were the first year they were number one seeds, being surprised by uh, Cardell Jones and company, but. 
um, yeah, I think it's, I think there's excitement for it. Um, you know, it's, it's the future is, it's pretty far down the road. So the, the might be a little bit more muted if it was the next two or three years, maybe there'd be a lot more excitement, but I think, you know, when I did a ranking yesterday of the 11 non-conference games that Alabama scheduled through 2035, I put Ohio state number one. I didn't really think too hard about it. I thought that was a pretty easy pick for the best game, the best series I have scheduled moving forward. I can hear the Ohio State fans reaching through this podcast and strangling me at the suggestion that Ohio State is looking up at Alabama in any way and in, in preparing for this series. What Alabama has done on the field is you can't dispute it. But as you pointed out, the last time they played, Ohio State won. Does that game stick in the craw, Bama fans, you know, Lane Kiffin not giving the ball to Derrick Henry enough in the second half or anything? Is it with all the success that Bama has had, is that one that pops up at all or when Bama, if, if Bama fans have any regrets about things in the modern era, is it mostly about Clemson and, you know, the two national title game losses? Yeah, there's been a lot that's happened since then. It's kind of washed over, uh, you know, the two championship game losses to Clemson, the last second loss to Clemson in, uh, in Tampa, and then the blowout two years after that. There's, there's been a lot of history that's, that's come and gone since then. So I think, um, you know, when I hear about it, I don't really hear that much talk about the regret over what happened in that Ohio State game. Last two. Will Nick Saban be coaching Alabama when Ohio State plays them in 27 and 28? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, his contract runs through 2025. Not that it doesn't matter that much, but he'd be, you know, his mid-70s, you know, turning the corner past 75 by 2026. So, you know, it's so hard to read. It's so hard to tell what he, you know, how long he wants to do it. It's the, the question that's asked. Every time I talk to anybody uh, and I wish I had the answer, I, it's so hard to read him. He's the kind of person so hard to read and try to attribute what we would do in this moment. If we were him. And like, it's just so hard to do that because he just thinks differently than, than you or I for good or bad reasons, you know, whether it's good or bad, you know. Maybe this question is just as difficult. Michael Casagrande, will you and I be covering those games in <laughs> 2027 and 2028? I never would have said that in 2009 when I, came to Alabama that I would be here in 2020 talking about a game in 2027. So um, I'm at a prediction game myself. So I don't know who, who can say, but it'll be fun. I've, I've, Ohio Stadium is always a place I've always wanted to go. The Horseshoe has always been a place on a list of, of places I wanted to see uh, a game. And so I wouldn't hate to, to cover a game there. So our companies, again, I always like to talk about when we are talking to a member of the Advanced Brotherhood and, and AL.com, which covers Alabama better than anybody, uh, is part of the same company as Cleveland.com. We had a good time kind of working together and doing some stuff when Ohio State and Alabama played previously um, in that semifinal in the first playoff. I, it certainly feels like that we could see each other, and I, I would imagine that you and I will see each other before 2027. I think Ohio State and Alabama will have a reason to play before then. And on this podcast, and I can't let you get out of here before we talk about this, on this podcast, I have been theorizing that maybe in my mind, Alabama is more of a threat in this season than Clemson is as you start to evaluate. It, obviously, we all know I think Ohio State, Clemson, and Alabama are going to be the top three in every ranking out there going into this season. But the idea as an outsider to me of angry Bama, of Bama that had was missed the playoff for the first time, what it looks like Alabama has coming back on defense, a quarterback who does have some experience and did play with the level of receiver that Alabama is now producing. Um, are, are you anticipating that this could be a very, very good Alabama team this season? Or the fact that Clemson has Trevor Lawrence and Ohio State has Justin Fields, would you put Alabama a, a slightly a cut below those two teams right now? 
it's tough to say. There's there's so many questions I have on Alabama's defense of guys who were hurt last year. They lost pretty much their whole secondary. Uh, they have they lost both their middle line, or outside linebackers. They have uh, you know an all American middle linebacker coming off a torn ACL. Two middle linebackers coming off torn ACLs and some guys to replace up front. So I, you know I'm not totally sold on this being uh, defensively you know the the best defense. Or it was a defense of last year that was carved up by some good offenses. So. Um, we'll see on defense. I mean, offense, they should pretty be pretty good. I mean, the huge boost getting Najee Harris to come back instead of going to the NFL, got a couple NFL receivers and, uh, you know, quarterback and Mac Jones and uh, who's a senior or a veteran and a, a freshman and Bryce, Bryce Young, who's going to be, you know, the next big thing, you know, number one quarterback in the country. So it's, there's a lot of interest there. I'm curious to see how it all comes together. And there's so many unanswered questions about how the season even looks to begin with. So, you know, those three teams should be right there at the top. And, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, whatever playoff looks like this year, uh, they could be there. Is Mac Jones definitely going to be the starting quarterback the whole year or in an era where we have seen highly rated freshman quarterbacks come in and do things? Is there any chance Bryce Young has added to that list? It's a very good question. We, we, we didn't see him in the spring. That would have been interesting to see how he, you know, he didn't have that spring practice, those 15 practices that are huge uh, that you saw Tua come and make so much progress and have a, a big spring game in his debut. So uh, uh, there's a lot of mystery with Bryce Young, but he's got a lot of, you know, you're hearing a lot of big things from the workouts they've done on their own. The, the, the throwing he's done with receivers has got a lot of, of hype coming up. And, you know, Mac Jones is the guy who's been around, who, who knows the offense, really smart kid, good guy, uh, teammates seem to like him. So it's going to be interesting to see, you know, it's uh, you know the most popular guy in any in any football program is always the backup quarterback, at least among the fans. So I'm curious to see uh, how much, uh, you know, an interception or two from Mac, uh, Mac Jones, how quickly did they push to bring in the new guy? All right. So last thing, I think I was looking at something the other day. And again, I am an outsider. I barely, I always talk about how I don't know any other players in the big 10. I just cover the team I cover. I saw some draft thing where I think there was some 2021 NFL draft prediction that had like, eight Alabama defensive players or seven Alabama defensive players, maybe in the projected top 40 picks of next year's draft. It, just from the outside, again, they, it seems like there were it, obviously injuries Alabama dealt with defensively last year. It seems like there's a lot of raw talent maybe, and, and Ohio State has a situation of that too. They have a lot of like 2018 five-star players who have never played that much. So you're saying maybe the Alabama defense, not a sure thing. We know Alabama plays great defense. Uh, I thought, what you already told us a little about a little bit of the Alabama defense, your expectations in context of the Alabama defenses you have covered in the recent past, you think this defense at its best could be as good as a great Alabama defense, maybe below that. Just again, your defensive expectations for this team in 2020. Yeah, I wouldn't put, make it a generational defense. Or even, there's just a lot of questions. There are a lot of things that need to be answered. There are guys that are coming off injuries. You're not sure how they're going to respond. There's some young guys that are going to have to step in some roles. I mean, you have two, you know, you don't have outs, outside linebackers. Both of them are gone and didn't have a whole lot of depth behind them, and that's been such a big position with this defense. So they're just questions that need to be answered. Uh, I don't think this is going to be a 2015, 2016 defense that was, you know, all in the NFL, you know, pretty much all those guys are in the NFL now. Uh, I don't know if that's going to be the case with this one, but um, there's potential. Um, it's just, you know, can they realize it? Michael Casagrande, clear a spot on your couch for me. 
for 2027 because uh, again, our companies, we are, we work for the same company. Who knows where journalism is going to be by 2027 and 2028, but it might save some money if we could stay at each other's houses. Right. And we're yeah. always looking out for the company. I'll pencil you down. Michael, thank you so much for joining us here on Buckeye Talk. And uh, we will start our seven-year series previewing Ohio State, Alabama, a story a week for the next seven years. We'll start next week at cleveland.com and al.com. Michael, I'll call you uh, later today, and we can set up you know, maybe the schedule for the next seven years. I'm on it. Sounds good. See you, man. All right, back. Thanks for Michael Casagrande's uh, visit with us. Again, if you want to – be a tech subscriber and take part in this podcast. 614-350-3315, 14-day free trial, $3.99 a month after that. Uh, Michael didn't really want to go down the road very much of Nick Saban um, and whether he will be around or not. By the time the game in 27 is played, Nick Saban will be 75, about to turn 76 in October of that year. Uh, we have seen coaches coach that long, and, and we do not cover Nick Saban, but we can guess and speculate. And if we couldn't, we couldn't do five podcasts a week. Nathan, will Nick Saban be Alabama's coach when the first game of this series is played in Columbus in 2027? No. Like, like, Pretty, you just think, yeah, that's just that's just a little too old. Like, pretty certain, or hey, um, it's a toss up. What are you gonna do? I, I'm, I, I, I think it's more likely than not that he is not the coach. So, like, what, like sixty-two percent? Okay, Stephen, what do you think? Joe Paterno was eighty-four when he was forced to, you know, out of there. But the point is, he was eighty-four and still coaching at that point. I'm gonna go yes that Nick Saban is still the coach, but I think he's in his last maybe two or three years there. Maybe the the second Ohio State game is his last year. Yeah, I mean, people are, like, trying to be president at that age now. Yeah. It's just like 75 isn't what it used to be, you know? That's a good point. Um, Especially for coaches in, in sports. Like, it's – you know, there's a lot of coaches who are pretty up there in age, but you wouldn't realize it until somebody told you how old they were. And so I don't know. I mean, it's the one thing that's been interesting with Saban is that they've just run through assistant coaches a lot. Is we talked a lot about like Clemson and Clemson, you know, D- Dabo has Brent Venables and they've had Tony Elliott there a while. They have some really long time assistant coaches they can rely on. And wouldn't it be like, wouldn't it be nice if Ohio State, you know, could have a guy like Brent Venables on a side of the ball. Um, but Ohio State, you know, honestly, has been pretty consistent the past couple of years. Larry Johnson's been actually here for a decent long time now and really important. Um, but Alabama just runs through assistance. I mean, Kirby Smart kind of waited out a great job and, and left, but then they really have recycled guys. So I don't know. That can, I think, can wear on you after a while. Um, and you're constantly on the search. Maybe if he got some guys in here that he could rely on and I have to go. I, I guess I would, I would get, say yes from the 847. Saban would be 75 years old. My bet is he has retired before this series starts, maybe in a couple years. Um, from the 704, does this guarantee a Saban retirement? That like, hey, you know, he's all for scheduling this because he's not going to have to deal with it. When I wrote this, I, I wrote the big column on this and really laying out the case of why I wanted this to happen in 2018 when Alabama started signing up Texas and some other schools. 
And I, I said, then I, maybe you won't get Saban Urban, right? So that's funny to think about. Hey, I doubt that you'll see Saban versus Urban. And like a year later, that was off the table. I think it might be yes. I, I just think that he might be a guy that might be a Bobby Bowden or a Joe Paterno and manages to stick around for a while. Our side of things, we're experts on this, is Ryan Day, the head coach for Ohio State in 2027 and 2028. We've had this discussion a million different ways a million different times. We'll keep it short. Steven first. I think so, yeah. I think when we've had the discussion, I said 10 years, and that's still within that window. So, yeah, I think he's still around. Nathan. I'm going to say, again, more likely than not, yes, he's still at Ohio State. But yes. I also think very, very likely that he could be gone. Yeah, I'll still say yes. So my bet would be, I think it's a, I think you have a, maybe a greater than 50% chance that, it's, that you do get Saban Day. And that might be crazy to say. But I can remember when Ohio State, a couple years ago, it was set up. You could see Florida, Atlantic, and Cincinnati coming. Um, and being like, well, it's not going to be Lane Kiffin and Luke Fickle because those guys are going to take those jobs and be gone. And then it was Lane Kiffin and Luke Fickle. That actually wasn't even all that exciting. It wasn't like people had a parade because Lane Kiffin was coaching uh, in Ohio Stadium. From the 216, I am so happy about this. Other than The Last Dance, which is the Michael Jordan documentary, this announcement has been the best sports moment of the pandemic. I hope you do a million episodes on this. Steven, when you hear that kind of excitement from a, from a tech subscriber in the 216, doesn't it warm your heart? No, it actually is kind of depressing to hear because it's a reminder that the most, you know, the two most, you know, exciting things have been a documentary about something that happened 20 years ago and a football game that's not going to be played for another seven years, which shows you just how long we've gone without actual sports to watch. Unless you're watching, you know, overseas baseball with no fans at three o'clock in the morning. Yeah, this is definitely better than Korean baseball. That is for sure. I I love scheduling announcements. There are just, I mean, I like when the NFL does it too, but this is like one of the things I like about college football. You know, there's a couple things about college football that are different that it's like, it's just not quite the same in the pros that it's like, okay, you have a rotating thing and the, you know, whatever, but like this kind of absolute freedom, right. is just fascinating to me of like, you know, it's kind of whatever an AD and an assistant AD want to do. There are no rules about this. There are strategies, but there are no rules. Yeah, but it's like whipped cream without a milkshake. The whipped cream is the uh, it's great with a milkshake, but no one's just sitting around eating whipped cream. What are you talking about? What's the whipped cream? The schedule announcements. It's a great uh, added thing as, along with the sports. Like, hey, all this exciting sports stuff is going on. And, oh, yeah, while this is going on. Here's a schedule announced that you should be excited about a game seven years from now. But, but, but when the, it's the only thing going on, it's – Well, no, I mean, of course. Person. We'd all rather have sports right now. But the point is, the way college football works, if you don't plan your whipped cream eight years ahead – That's fair. When you yeah. get your milkshake, there's no whipped cream on it. That's fair. So I am willing to plan whipped cream eight years ahead. If I, I think if I could have any job in sports, it might be a college football scheduler. Um I love it. I think it's interesting. From the 614, you guys obviously have a wealth of topics to discuss relating to the upcoming Alabama-Ohio State series. I'm interested to know what could change and what will remain the same for these programs in 27. I highly doubt that both Saban and Day will still be coaching in those games, especially Saban. Will Bama still be Bama? Could Ohio State surpass Bama by that time? Or could the landscape of college football as a whole have changed to the extent that an Ohio State versus Bama matchup would be exciting 
but not the colossal matchup that it would be today. Nathan, that idea, and again, we have gone over this, there are ebbs and flows almost everywhere. I don't know if, if there's something about college football today that maybe, maybe some of these programs can keep it going now. Maybe they won't fade away for periods of time. But do you think there's any kind of realistic chance that by the time Alabama, Ohio State gets here in 2027, like it's not really that big a deal because it's no longer two powerhouses? No, I think these will still be top 10 programs. Like I don't see any reason why that should drop off. Um, I, I am interested, I think, in the trajectory of both of these programs and how they're built. You know, specifically, I think the quarterback position is really interesting. I think for a long time, Alabama, as great as it was, was not seen as a place that was going to produce great quarterbacks. But Tua came in there and, and changed that narrative a little bit. And is that something that they embrace and start to do what Ryan Day is already trying to do at Ohio State as far as stringing together a, a list of elite quarterbacks, you know, bring them in, develop them, send them on to the next level. I want to see what both of these programs are doing at that position in eight years. If so, we don't know. We don't know. I think it's, I think it's likely that they're both really good still. Again, we've talked about Ohio State just has not had a sustained dip really kind of ever. Um, and Alabama's was weird. You know, it was weird that Alabama did it. And I just think they're at the point now where whenever Saban goes, if it's not Dabo, I think the guy, the next guy they get will be really good. Now, even if he's not quite Saban, because it's going to be really hard to succeed Nick Saban, I don't think Alabama's going to fall off a cliff. So in the end, in general, Let's say that for whatever reason, and I think we all said we agree that we are probably heading to an expanded playoff, but let's pretend that this game was, was that college football didn't schedule so far out and that this, this was scheduled for 2021 and 2022, that they had just announced it. This is going to happen in the next two years. Do you believe that playing Alabama, playing the very best teams in the country in the non-conference in a four-team playoff, playoff world, is that good for Ohio State, bad for Ohio State? And I mean in totality, not only in the sense of the playoff, but obviously that's a factor, but also just what it means in terms of like, it's fun, it's cool, it gets people excited, it brings fans in. In the, in the totality of what it is to be Ohio State football, with the framework that it's a four-team playoff world, playing Bama good, playing Bama bad, Steven. Playing Bama is good, even if it is a loss, because let's be honest, if that's your one loss, I, it's, you're, you're then experiencing the same thing that a one loss SEC team would, would have if they only lost to Alabama that season, where the win helps you, the loss doesn't hurt you as much. Yeah, I, I agree. I don't, I don't think you can schedule out of fear of losing a non-conference game because, and especially if Ohio state shouldn't do that because they saw what happened when you lose a non-conference game in September to a team you shouldn't lose to, you still go on and win a national championship if you have the team. So that's really at the end of the day, more important. It's about building your program, developing your program, having your program set up, right. Getting the players. If you do that, then I don't think you, you can't, you can't schedule scared. And if, if this is something that's better for your fan base, it's better for your student athletes. I mean, it's, this is something you get to now go sell. I mean, that's the other part of this, right? I mean, you, we've talked before about how OSU kind of being the SEC school that's not in the SEC other than Clemson, obviously, probably fits that bill too, or being a, a 
we've talked about that, that kind of king of the north, the relationship, what if they were in the south, all that sort of stuff. So if you're OSU now and you're recruiting against some of these schools in the south, you say, well, you still get to go play Alabama now for guys you're recruiting for those classes. You still get to go up against the Cadillac of, of programs from the south. You, you can come to Ohio State, have all the good things that Ohio State gives you, and you still get to go head-to-head with Alabama. I think those are all positive reasons to schedule this series, and you can't be worried about a loss. I, I think there's no reason for a program of the stature of Ohio State to ever worry about scheduling in, in terms of whether they lose that game or not. I swear to God, you said the opposite thing on the schedule podcast you guys did, which is how you arrived at Texas A&M and Stanford as the teams you would schedule. I thought both of you argued the exact opposite thing. No, I argued that there's no reason to put Alabama on the schedule because, one, it doesn't seem realistic, but also that this is a team that you're probably going to face in the playoff anyway. That was my argument. I think there's also a difference between how, how I think about it and how I might have perceived other people were thinking about it. I like it. I think it's good. I think it's overdue. Um, I think there's no downside. Steven, you been, you definitely made a point about playing Oklahoma, though. I thought you were sort of anti-playing an awesome team because you thought, like, the Oklahoma series didn't didn't help them because they lost to Oklahoma in 17 and then didn't make the playoff. No, I, it was just more – I'm pretty I'm, – we might have to go back and listen to that podcast. That was 70 million possible. But, no, my point was just these are teams that you're going to face anyway. And if, if you get to the playoff, so why put them on the schedule of the regular season? Especially when I already thought it was unrealistic to do. That will be interesting in an eight-team playoff because um, you are just going to expand it. It's going to be weird in college football. Not weird. It'll be interesting. It's such a repeat of the same teams year after year, but the playoff is still small enough that – it doesn't guarantee – like Alabama and Clemson have played a million times in the postseason. I get that. But everybody else, I mean, it's not like – even though Oklahoma and, and Ohio State have been there a lot, it's not like – you know, Ohio State has played Clemson twice in the playoff. Ohio State has played Bama once in the playoff. They haven't played Oklahoma in the playoff. It's not like it's repetitive that, that it gets boring. I wonder if it's like there's only 10 or 12 teams in college football that ever make the playoff, and now it's an eight-team playoff and you do start playing, like, the same teams every year. I don't know. I don't know. Does it take away? Does it really take away from things? If Ohio State and Alabama play in the regular season in 27 and 28, and then they somehow do meet in the playoff or meet in the national championship game, will that be a negative in any way, Stephen? Like, will that have taken away from one of the games if they end up playing twice in a year? Possibly if one person, if say Ohio State wins the regular season game, but then Alabama wins the national championship game, then there are going to be fans. The argument is, you know, there's the argument right there. You know, one won the more important game. It's no different than if you have Michigan and Ohio State in in separate divisions. And so they play one week and then they go play each other in the Big Ten championship game. Like which, which win is actually more important? Nathan, what do you think of that? Well, I mean, we're just, this is going to be a, a, a change. It's going to be the new reality because you're going to get – in the eight-team scenario, you're going to get – a lot of times you're probably going to get three SEC teams in. I mean, it's, it's very likely, right? So, I mean, there's going to be those – those three matches three are going to keep happening. You might get three Big Ten teams in a decent On occasion, yeah. 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 So, I mean, these rematches are going to just become more common. There's, that's just going to be the new reality in college football probably by the time – probably by the time this, this game is played. I do think – and I think that new reality is, is the right phrasing, Nathan, because you know what? This happens in every pro sport. I mean, 
in the NBA, it happens by definition because everybody plays everybody. In the NFL, you don't always play everybody, but you certainly have repeats with teams. Um, in Major League Baseball, I mean, it's it happens. I think in a new world where, A, to get – so I think the 18 playoff would do several things that I think all, all are probably mostly good. A, it allows you to not be fearful in your scheduling because it gives you more of a mulligan if you lose. So maybe the best teams will all want to play the best teams. And again, if they want to put butts in the seats, that might, that, that also might be a motivator as people get bored and have more reason to stay home. So it might make everybody's non-conference games better all the time. The expanded playoff just gets more teams in and we can, you know, some people like expanded playoffs, some people like smaller playoffs, but it might just reach the point where you just have to get used to the idea that, yeah, you very likely might end up playing teams twice because you're playing more great teams in the regular season non-conference and more great teams are getting in the playoffs. And this is just the new reality. And that college football, a college football game is like a little bird. I mean, it's like, it's such a, you have to treat it so carefully because there's, there's such a limited number and the history of the game is such a limited number. I mean, you, you go back and look at Ohio state's history. It's like, Oh, they were six, one and one this year, played eight games in a whole season. It's crazy. Right. And that it was such a limited structure. There are so many college football fans who are so used to that. College football games maybe can't be so precious. It's, Ohio, it's okay for Ohio State, Michigan to be, to be precious and that kind of thing. But the rest of it, let's you play a few more, right? And I'm not saying you still have to be careful with the amateurs. But you just play more good teams a little more often. And maybe it's you just have to accept that they're not quite as special. It's a little more quantity over quality. But in the end, you might end up with more good football. All right. I want to apologize for something I said on the Thursday podcast when I included Toy Story 4 as a possibility of one of the movies I think people should watch. I meant Toy Story 3. And yeah, one of the I thought, textures I thought that might have been that the case. Out. I meant the one with the, with the fire, not the one with the fair. Where they go I've to only the seen the first three. I have not seen Wait, four. there's a four? Oh, yeah. No, no, I'm, I'm glad you didn't four. actually spoil four for me. Yeah, never, no, they I'm go they go to a fair. Before. I mean, that's in the commercials. That's in the trailer. They go to a fair, and Key and Peel are at the fair. Four. No, yeah. I won't be watching that one. So it's fine. No. It's fine. There's some adventure. Um, But three, three is the gut punch. Three is like when you think everybody's going to die, when the toys who speak are going to die. Oh, yeah, that's they're what all I meant. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I meant. That's what I went. And someone on the texter was like, four is the worst one. And I was like, I meant three. So I apologize for that. And then I want to tell people this. This is what we're going to do because this is the Friday pod that you just listened to because it's Friday and you just listened to it. Bonus Saturday pod this week. I've been wanting to experiment with the Saturday pod because somehow, some way, I have so much hot air inside of me that at times I feel like five podcasts a week is not enough. We had previously recorded the Friday podcast on Thursday before this schedule announcement. I even nicknamed it. We had a weird little name for the Friday podcast. I don't want to now save that Friday podcast for like the next Friday. I don't know how it's going to squeeze in next week because we sort of already have planned out what we want to do next week. So we're going to give it to you on Saturday. It is us resetting everything we think about Ohio State football, which we had teased on the Thursday podcast. But then, man, when it's Bama, Ohio State, you got to talk Bama, Ohio State. That will be a special Saturday podcast. We'll see how people react to it. If it gets good numbers and doesn't hurt the numbers of the other podcasts, 
I have a plan that may include possibly special Saturday bonus episodes on a somewhat regular basis. So that will come Saturday. The thing I've demanded us do, we went through every position group, offense, defense as a whole, Ryan Day, assistant coaches, what we really think the season's going to be like. Nathan, Stephen, Doug, reset what you think to force us to have our opinions on the record so we can then play off them in every other podcast. Um, Recruiting stuff coming next week. We are going to do a podcast next week on the idea of an Ohio State dynasty, what that maybe would look like. Next week in the season preview, Nebraska. And I will just tell you, it is a different Nebraska writer than the one we had last summer because a lot of people were frustrated by a Nebraska writer who said he'd take Taylor Martinez over Justin Fields. And that didn't work out so well. That guy's a really good writer. I just wanted to mix it up a little bit, but also um, it's a different Nebraska guy. So, and and we don't have to talk. We're not going to talk as much about Nebraska as we did about like Penn state because Nebraska is not in the division. They're not an always rival. We really talked about Nebraska a lot last year and they did not live up to how much we talked about them. So we'll get in Nebraska and get out, and that'll be fine. Uh, anything else? We what am I missing, Stephen? Anything else we need to tell people about? Uh, no, not not nothing that's going to be like you know timely to when this actually goes up. So no, okay, it's, it's yeah, no. Recruiting podcast next week. We're going to reset where they are with the 2021, uh, 2021 class. Anything else, Nathan? We need to hit. Uh, I'm I'm I think I'm good. I'm ready for a uh, market down Monday talking about uh, interceptions. Who's going to lead this team in interceptions. And I'm, I'm going through the text subscriber answers today and I'm um, hoping you guys have some interesting ones in there. All right. So Bama, Ohio state. Good. Oh, final prediction, actual final prediction. I'm going to force everyone to make Nathan Baird. Will you be covering Ohio state in 2027? Oh, wow. Wow. Um, I uh, I don't think my fiance ever wants to move again, so I'm gonna say, as if they'll have me, yes. Steven, will you be covering Ohio State in 2027? See, I'll be what, like 32 or something like that. Like um, 19. Yeah. Um, <laughs> like, yeah. I'll go. Yeah. I tweeted this, <laughs> and I really think I actually it might actually happen. When I retire, I'm not going to retire. I'm going to move to Disney World and work at Disney World as a regular job, not like as a part-time retirement job. 2027, my youngest child will be in her senior year of college. And my wife and I scout out houses in the Disney World suburbs on a regular basis. That I have said, I have tweeted that I will cover the Ohio State-Alabama game. Actually, so, so 2028 is the game in Alabama. I'll stay through the second game. I might retire as a sports writer after that game. I will do this podcast and leave, and that might be it. And, like, it's a funny tweet. That might actually be a life plan. So if I can you, see it. So get your Dougie while the getting's good because I might go out in Tuscaloosa. And, by the way, I have been to Tuscaloosa. I went down there when I did a big series on Freddie Kitchens, the Browns coach who lasted a year, who went to Alabama. I went to his hometown, but then I went to Tuscaloosa for a day, and I went to, like, the restaurant next to the stadium, but I didn't go in the stadium. Um, Lovely campus. So I I like the idea of John Crook in it. 
I like the idea of the doing the John Cruck. Like he he went up and got a hit, and I think it gave him. He knew that that last hit gave him a 300 batting average for his career, so he just walked to the dugout and like they didn't know he was retiring. He just quit. So I, I like the idea of you pulling a John Cruck. I mean, that's how we should all go out, right? Like you you go you leave on an achievement and you just walk and just let it be. Yeah, somebody should have told Michael Jordan that before he decided to come back as a wizard. Wow. Steven has a take on that. Uh, I, we might... <laughs> I did not expect that to elicit a reaction. How, how, how do you like, – that's a whole – we, we don't have to do that on this podcast. It's just, that's so frustrating to me. That's the perfect way to go out. No, 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 let's come back and play for the sucky wizards. But, no, to the point of Doug, I can 100% seeing us do the podcast, you going, and that was Buckeye talk. Stopping the podcast and going, I'm out. I'm not processing this. This is on you guys. I'll see you back at the hotel. And that's it. That's the last time we see Doug. We'll have to turn his computer in for him. Yep. Yeah, I'm just going to fling my computer out of the press box and just keep shatter going. on the stadium. You just, you just keep, no, no, you just keep going south. You don't even come back up. You just keep going south after that, straight to Orlando. Oh, no, yeah. If I'm driving to Alabama, I am not coming oh, yeah. back. I'm, I'm going to continue it on to Florida. And you guys, I mean, you can come visit me, and I'll have a podcast about, like, Disney World rides or whatever, but I just won't be doing this anymore. Okay. I'm, I'm good. Yeah. <laughs> You're good. Yeah. Uh, Thanks to you guys for listening. Always make it fun. 614-350-3315 for the tech subscriptions. Drop a podcast review at Apple Podcasts. Um, read us at cleveland.com slash OSU. And uh, we'll be back on Monday with Market Down Monday, talking about uh, who will lead Ohio State in interceptions in 2020. For now, for Stephen Means and Nathan Baird, I'm Doug Lee Maurice. Get ready for the Bama Buckeye Series in 27-28, baby. I'm so excited. And that was Buckeye Talk.